welcome to Chasing Compliance, the global regulatory podcast, where we discuss all aspects of pharmaceutical and medical device regulatory and clinical strategy from bench to bedside. In today's episode, we continue our discussion on tips and tricks for technical writing. You want to give them the best possible document as a courtesy to them. I mean, their time is valuable as well, but you also need to know that they're going to find something. This episode is all about bringing your document together and leveraging the tools around you, electronic or otherwise, to speed up the document writing, revision, and completion process. After a quick recap of the topics we discussed in last episode, Jen shares her thoughts on the document finalization process and recommendations for leveraging software tools to speed up the revision and document completion process. We also talk about how and when to get teammates involved, what you should give them as far as a product to review, when you should reach out to them for help, and what you should expect back from them. We wrap things up with a few additional tips and a summary of all the things we discussed in the episode. If you haven't listened to part one of this series, I highly recommend that you do so for the full experience. Today's discussion builds on concepts introduced in the last episode, and we'll be referencing examples and topics from the last episode throughout our conversation. All right, let's continue our conversation with Jen. Hi, Jen. Thank you so much for coming back on Chasing Compliance. Thanks. I'm glad to be here again. Today, you promised us that we were going to talk about the devil in the details and how and the details of technical writing and how to polish our documents. Last time we talked about some main foundational tips, and I just really want to quickly revisit those. One is know your audience and follow instructions. Another one is know your format, and that could be using a template or using some type of guidance. The third is know your priorities. Know what you want to say, what sections should be detailed, which sections should be less detailed, what the priorities of the document are, and know the scope of the document. Stick to the relevant pieces of information and try to avoid going down the rabbit hole. With respect to writing, clear communication is really important and words matter. So make sure that your language is aligned with the message that you want to convey and make sure that you're writing things in a way that are clear and concise. Everybody knows that you're really smart. You look even smarter if you can write something simply and clearly. Don't guess or fill in gaps with information. So if you don't have the literature to support or the evidence to support a point, don't put it in there. Either look for the information or acknowledge that there's a dearth of information in that particular area. And last, organize yourself by leaving yourself landmarks. By putting in comments or highlighting or somehow indicating in the document, you can identify areas which you may, which you may need to come back to and fill in gaps identify areas where there's a piece of a message that you want to carry forward. Otherwise, giving yourself a structure to the document while allowing yourself to take all of the different pieces of information and streams of information that are coming in and consolidate them in a way that matters. Our brains just can't handle all of it. So give yourself a leg up by landmarking your document. Anything else you'd like to add to that? No, that that's really the foundation of what we're getting into, what we're talking about. And those things will give you a good document. The things we're going to talk about today will give you a great document. They will really emphasize the fact that you you are a smart person, as you said, and it will allow the document to absolutely sing. 
I'm excited to really get into those details today. I'm excited too. Where are we starting? The last thing we talked about in the last episode was leaving landmarks and making sure that you can follow yourself in the document and that you know where you're going. And a lot of those are visual, Um, at least for me, leaving those comments to the side, maybe highlighting in the document. What that allows me to do is skim through the document and see where I need to fill something in. Where do I have a gap? Where is there something that needs to be updated? The visual side of things is actually where I wanted to start today. So when you're looking at your document for those final details, that final polishing, you want to actually give it a visual overview and see if anything jumps out and not read what's in there. You're going to have a time to do that. You, you do need to do that final edit, that final read through. But I actually like to start once I have all the pieces in there. I like to start with a visual overview. So I will actually scan through the document rather quickly, but with an eye to things like margins, font size, table margins, table size, fonts within tables, all of those little details. Because if you scan through and it makes you stop, it's going to make the client stop. And you want them to be focusing on the content you gave them and not focusing on a table that's been misformatted. So you're gonna get that initial level of polishing from a a skim through the document for, again, visual elements only. Does everything line up? Is everything doing what it needs to do? Did one of your images float off when you saved it? Because we all know that Word has a mind of its own sometimes, and you save something and the next time you open it, your image is on the wrong page. It happens to all of us. You need to catch that. You don't want your client to catch that. That's something I definitely never did before I started in this field. I never would look through a document. It happens so often where your font randomly switches sizes or your tables aren't proportioned correctly. And it can be jarring and really distract from the message in a way that's disproportionate. So this is a great tip. Thank you. And I... I started to talk about the the quirks of Word, and I I wanted to actually expand on that a little bit and, and talk about making those platforms really work for you. Most of us are, are writing in Word. It, it's become the ubiquitous word processing program. Uh, if there are other people using another one, more power to you. But I think everybody is at this point using uh, Microsoft Word. In any case, Word has tools that can help to prevent those little mishaps. They're not perfect. They're not infallible, but they're there. The one tool that I rely on a lot in my documents, and I will admit that I did not know that this tool existed until I started working at Global, was very glad to find it, is the Styles tool. And uh, that is something that can save you so much time. So what that allows you to do is set up that this paragraph is going to be in body text one. This table is going to be in the table font two or whatever it happens to be. You can put in headings that are in certain styles. And if you actually use that tool and if your document isn't set up with styles already, it can take a little bit of time to actually incorporate that into your document. It saves you a ton of time later because if you need to change the margins 
in a particular piece of narrative. So let's say that now you found out that your template needs to have half inch margins instead of one inch margins. Now you have to change that throughout the document, but you don't want it to change for your tables. You don't want it to change for particular sections only for, I don't know, say sections A, C, and E need to have that change, but not sections B and D. Well, what you can do is set up your style within sections A, C, and E to match. And when you update that style, it automatically updates it throughout the document. I found that to be a fantastic tool that I didn't know existed and I love it and I use it all the time. Um, the tables within Word, tables love to float within Word, but there are anchor points within Word that you can use. If you're updating your tables within Word, one great thing to do is use anchors. You can use table properties to make sure that they're all the same width. That's a visual element that's gonna stick out immediately to a client. And you can also use your um, page breaks and section breaks to help you with tables that are maybe too wide. We all run into that. You're trying to shove all of your data into this one table and it's just not gonna work in portrait layout. You have to go to landscape. How do you do that within Word? You can do a page break. You can go to the next section, make it landscape, then go back to portrait, easy breezy. Knowing how to use that tool, knowing how to use your digital tools is going to save you a ton of time. And if you don't know how to do those things, you can look at tutorials online. There might be courses through Khan Academy. I love going to that for various things to learn. Sometimes even just on the Microsoft homepage on, on their company website, they have tips, tricks, tools, how to use their platforms more effectively. And as I've said before, I love asking my colleagues. There have been plenty of times where I have a table that is going rogue and I do not know why. And I will lean on a colleague and say, you are really good at doing tables. Can you please help me make this table stop acting badly? And I do that all the time. I think it's so important that you learn your software because there are so many powerful tools within all of these programs. Often, if you're doing something that's repetitive or cumbersome, there is an automation to help you out or some type of tool built into the software. Styles are an excellent example because you can uniformly set the parameters of a certain type of text and have many types of text within a single document. And if you decide to change one piece of the style, it will change uh, that change will propagate throughout the whole document automatically. You don't have to go through and change it yourself, which if you are going to go through and change it yourself, inevitably, you're going to inevitably you're going to miss something and it's not going to be consistent. So that's that's a great tip. Do you have other pieces of software that you find that are helpful while writing? I do have other platforms that I lean on regularly. One of those is EndNote. If you haven't used that before, it it will allow you to really streamline getting your references into a platform like Word. It can also help you dig for the full texts. Um, sometimes we have to go looking for those to be able to really evaluate if a piece of literature belongs and it can help you with that. And I actually found out recently that there's the traveling library within EndNote is a wonderful tool, especially if you're updating an old document to be able to grab that previous set of references and be able to pull them out, move them forward into your new document. I think that's a wonderful tool. 
I uh, have to admit that the first time I ever used EndNote in my postdoc, we used it as a way to track which printouts of the articles were in our PI's office. That was the extent of EndNote. I will say no more because that already gives me an age range <laughs> for the audience. But um, learning the, the new platform for EndNote, learning all of those updates has been amazing. It's a wonderful tool and I, I love using it to make sure that my references are exact. It's 2021. Do not put citations in manually. If there's anything that you leave this episode with, it's this. Use a reference manager. EndNote is a fantastic tool, but there are others. There are free software out there that aren't as functional as EndNote, but do a lot of the same things. One of them is Zotero, there are, but there are several others out there. It's 2021. People are flying to space for fun. Don't be putting your references in by hand. Any other software you like to use? Well, as a uh, with a background in research science, I definitely lean on Excel a lot. I I'm a spreadsheet person. I put everything into spreadsheets. I put things in my life into spreadsheets because they're wonderful. And I lean on that a lot because, again, we're working with a lot of data when we're doing technical writing. So I might be using it to organize my references as I'm evaluating which ones belong in the document. I might be using it for data extraction. Uh, there's plenty of places, especially in regulatory writing, where we are extracting lots of data, lots of different types of data points from these references. And you really need to throw those into a spreadsheet to be able to understand what you're looking at and to be able to compile those together to make the document complete. So it's fantastic for that. And depending on your, your document, we don't use that as much at Global, but you can use Excel to create tables, to create uh, different graphs and so forth. And that would be, you know, another great thing that you could use that for. And if you don't know how to use Excel for those functions, there are lots of resources out there. And I find that to be a platform that has served me well for decades. It, it's really just a fantastic place to bring together my thoughts and ideas, my data, whatever needs to happen. Um, Excel is, is where it is. Absolutely. It's such a wonderful tool for organizing a lot of information and you can, to be able to view it in a holistic and comprehensive manner and to be able to run you know, calculations or, or somehow modify or interpret the data within the system. And, you know, as you, you touched on, we don't do it a ton, but nowadays with the new versions of Excel, things port really well between the two platforms, Excel and Word. So even if you're not a super advanced user and you don't know what a macro is, you're scared of pivot tables and you don't know how to write formulas, that's okay. Excel is still a wonderful tool for the writer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I love your point that now that we're in 2021, Word and Excel speak to each other much better. Uh, there was a time when the Microsoft tools didn't play as nicely in the sandbox as it were. But I do love that the company has addressed those issues. Uh, they're not completely gone, but for the most part, they've been addressed and it, it makes our lives a lot easier. So actually speaking about platforms that make our lives easier, there are 
platforms out there that will help you with those final tiny details. So things like your abbreviations tables. Did I use the wrong word or phrase? Uh, my spelling. You know, word catches a lot of the spelling, but sometimes when it's a, a very jargony, it has trouble with that. So maybe you want to make do an extra sweep on that. Are you capitalizing consistently? Are you using your hyphens consistently? And there's a platform out there called Perfect It, and that can actually help you by scanning your document. Now, it does take a while, so it's something where if you're going to use that, you have to uh, set it and forget it, as it were. You know, get to a point where you're stopping for the day, get Perfect It to take a look at your document, and it will take a detailed look, and it will help you to find your abbreviations and it will ask you, you know, you've capitalized this everywhere else, but not here. Is that okay? And do things like that that can really help you with your document. I will admit that I don't use Perfect It, but I know colleagues that do and love it. They absolutely love it. So again, it's doing what works for you. It's the same thing when we talked about leaving the landmarks in your document. Do you want to leave digital landmarks or do you want to stick post-it notes on your monitor? Whatever works for you, do what you need to do to get the job done. And talking about abbreviations tables, for example, I use the split screen feature in Word to do my abbreviations tables and I get through them in about the same amount of time as Perfect It would take to do it for me. And I would still have to double check just to be absolutely sure that it caught everything. So I don't use it for that. But again, if you hate abbreviations tables and having a piece of software that can actually create the table for you and all you have to do is that last little check to make sure that it caught everything, go for it. The, the, the technology is there. Use it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Leverage your technology because other people are right. And the expectation is that you do. At this point, the, the bar has been raised, uh, I think, for everybody in every particular field um, because of the implementation of software, at least in most professional fields. Definitely use your software. It will save you time and headaches. Okay, so we have written a document and we've visually inspected it. We've leveraged our tools. We know our audience. We've, we've written, I think, well and we're ready to start moving on to the revising phases or the more complicated parts of the writing, you know, finishing a section that we're stuck on. What's next? What are your tips for, for that part? So I think at this point, when you've put in all of the information, you've done this initial level of polishing on the document, this is when you need to really step away from it. It is really hard to edit your own work very hard. And I know that I feel very fortunate that I have a team that I work with. I can go to someone else and say, can you please read through this? See if there's anything glaring. Please check it for details, etc." But there's times when you don't have that, or quite honestly, you don't really want to hand your colleague a document that you haven't edited yourself first. I, I find that to, <laughs> to be a standard that I like to keep. I want to edit it myself before I hand it off for the final edit. And you, you have to step away from it. So I like to set something aside, go back to it the next day. Maybe you have another project in between or whatever, but let your mind get away from that document. Get to the point where you're not automatically filling in those gaps yourself. We all do that. If you write something and you forget to put in a word, 
but you know what you meant to say, your brain will fill it in as you're reading it. So you're not able to edit your own work effectively. And it's important to make sure, of course, that all of those words are in there. So I think that's really that next step, as simple as it sounds, step away, put it down, save it, make sure it's saved. <laughs> I think we've all had that moment where we thought we saved it and whoops. So make sure you've saved your document, maybe save it again, and then step away from it and give your, your brain a chance to forget a little bit, give your document a chance to rest, and then go back and give it another read through. Give it a really detailed read through, not that visual skimming, but this is where you're digging into those details and looking for words and phrases that maybe don't flow as nicely as you thought they did when you first wrote them. And finding those places where you patched in some information from two different places and whoops, I forgot to remove an extraneous word or, you know, my punctuation didn't quite get pulled into the document. So that's what you're doing there. And, and that's really that next step. Let it rest and then give it a really, really detailed read through. I'd like to piggyback on that point. And that is when I to fully agree with you, letting it rest and coming back is, is critical. You need to take a step away because your mind will interpolate or literally write sentences for you or yeah, it's very hard. So take a, take a break let it rest. When you do come back to it, read it. Don't, what I often do, or I try very hard not to anymore is I will come back to a document and I will be thinking as I'm reading it, I could write this a better way. And then I stop really reading the document and I start rewriting it. And sometimes I find I'll rewrite a paragraph and what I had originally was way better. So when you come back to this, try to read it with fresh eyes like you've never seen it before. And this is sometimes easier said than done. But the whole point of this is to come at it with a fresh, fresh pair of eyes and to mimic somebody that has never seen it before. One, one tip my mom told me a long time ago, which is effective, is read it out loud, right? Because you really have to read it if you're reading out loud. You can't multitask, as it were. Oh, that's a great, great tip. Yes. Reading it out loud. You're going to hear it. It's going to approach your brain differently. I mean, I, I'm trained as a neuroscientist, so I love thinking about the way that things are approaching our brain. The, the visual input and the auditory input are different. They're different in the way they track and they're, they're different in the way they really reach our mind and, and the way that we interpret that information. You, know, you always hear about folks that are more visual learners or more auditory learners. And it's true. It, that is definitely um, a fact. Absolutely. Speaking of mimicking your colleague, it's often really nice to have editing help from a colleague, but sometimes it can be a little bit painful. Or I think some people avoid giving it to their colleagues in a draft, you know, whatever they're writing in a rough draft form because they're afraid of judgment. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. So as I was saying earlier, looking to your colleagues, your teammates for feedback, for editing help is fantastic. And giving them what you feel is a well-polished document is a nice way to do that. 
there are actually times when I have handed over a document that I've gone through, I've done all the steps, I've done the editing, and there's just a part of it where I just can't figure out how to quite phrase something. And that's where those comments come back into play because I have definitely handed over documents for for editing from my colleagues that have notes in there that say, I can't quite figure out how to word this. Here's what I'd like to express. And none of them have ever come back to me and said, how dare you give me this half document? It's certainly not a half document. It's I'd like your feedback. My brain is not processing this right now. So don't be afraid to do that. I really think that it becomes a team effort and it becomes a better product when you have that team effort. You have someone else giving you their feedback on editing. You have someone else perhaps helping you to wrangle a tricky sentence or a tricky paragraph that is just not resonating for you. And that happens. That absolutely happens. And looking to others for help is great. And it can be intimidating. As you said, it, it can be difficult to hear feedback from other people. And you just have to open yourself to that. You have to know that, I mean, at least I find that working at Global, that my teammates are very much interested in us as a company giving that best possible document to our client. And that's our goal. We're all on the same team. We are all looking toward the same end goal, which is a really high quality finished product, a really high quality document. And so learn from them. I I came into CER writing from a background in academic writing and grant writing and other types of technical writing, but not CER writing. That was totally new for me. So I just opened myself up to learning and I still do that even now, even though I've been here a while, I now know the ins and outs of the documents. I can learn something new about that document every single day. And when I hand over that document to my colleague and I say, let me, let me see what you've got to say about this. Please give me as many edits as you can. I look to that as another place to learn. And I value that. And I know that even if they say, wow, this this particular part, you're really off the mark here. This is what you were supposed to do here. That happens. Maybe I wasn't quite on the ball that day, or maybe I misunderstood what the template was asking for. It happens. But letting them help you to make that document as good as it possibly can be, that's just so wonderful. And I definitely value the feedback that I get from my colleagues. I couldn't agree more. I think that if you're working on a team that's truly a team, everybody will want the same end, which is, you know, a quality document, which will produce a quality outcome. And we're all human and we hit roadblocks. It doesn't make any sense for you to beat your head against the wall uh, when you can find help. Sometimes all it takes is a fresh set of eyes on this or a new perspective. And that can be incredibly incredibly helpful. And you're not advocating for turning over a really poorly written document or an incomplete document or otherwise punting the work to your colleagues. What you're, what you're saying here is be open, allow people to read it and to give feedback because ultimately you're going to take something away from that. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. It's not that you want to give them something that's half completed. You want to give them the best possible document as a courtesy to them. I mean, their time is valuable as well, but you also need to know that they're going to find something. The chances of someone handing you back a document with zero comments is, it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Well, there's a, there's a million ways to write things. You know, there's, there's many, many right ways to write a section. There's many wrong ways. But ultimately, at, at some point, it does come down to personal preference and people do, will have preferences, but they'll also give you feedback on areas where you might not be as strong and they are sh- a little bit stronger and vice versa. You know, you can help them with areas that they may struggle with. What I think also is really important when you're, when you're thinking about this is what you do with the feedback. Make sure that you utilize it, right? Don't internalize it or take it as necessarily, you know, something against you as a person, use it to learn and try your best to implement whatever feedback, especially if it's structural or more of a a basic or a fundamental piece of like the feedback is on a, on a basic structural or fundamental piece because nothing's more frustrating than editing something and catching the same mistake document after document after document. It doesn't make you feel good as a teammate um, and it makes you not want to be as engaged in the process if your feedback is going to go unheard. Yes, I agree completely with that. And, you know, as someone who is still learning, I mean, we're, well, we're all still learning, but as someone who is still learning the ins and outs specific to CER writing, I will sometimes go back to my colleague and say, you know, well, first I will thank them for their feedback, but then on the next document so that I don't accidentally fall into that pattern of, well, I'm now handing them the same error again. I will even highlight that and say, okay, last time you said that I had missed the mark on this section. Can you please focus on that and let me know if I understood the feedback you were giving me? Because again, we're all human and maybe I didn't hear the feedback quite as it was intended and I didn't interpret it properly again, but I don't want my colleague to think that I didn't hear them. So there's plenty of times where I will say, hey, yeah, when we worked on that last time, I wasn't quite on point. Can you please let me know if I if I got it this time? Did, did I understand what you wanted me to do? So I, I think it's perfectly OK to do that. It, it, again, it's it's a courtesy to your colleague and, and it, it helps you. Exactly. Exactly. So do you have any other any other tips or best practices or advice you'd like to touch on? I think the only other thing, and, and this really just kind of summarizes everything we've been talking about for these two episodes, we keep going back to there's always an opportunity to learn. And and I just look at that as something that's just a part of my life, but I think it's it's something that needs to be a part of every technical writer's life. And I'm not necessarily saying things relating to, you know, templates and the nitty gritty, although those are constantly changing. So definitely keep up with those. We're in fields that are changing sometimes daily, Um, hopefully not quite that often, but you just have to keep up with your field and you have to know that what you were able to rely on even a few months ago isn't necessarily the information that you're going to be dealing with going forward. So As a technical writer, 
being open to constantly learning about how to do the writing, what you're writing about, and the nuances of all of those is really key. And you don't want to ever become complacent in your knowledge because it's going to do you a disservice. It's not something that's going to allow you to grow as a writer. It's not going to allow you to really, you know, advance yourself in the field. And you're eventually going to be outdated um, because things are just moving so quickly. Just like just like a new medical device and a new pharmaceutical is a new and hopefully better way to treat a disease. There is often a better way to write a document there. The way that we do things is constantly evolving. The benchmarks are evolving and along with the field evolving. So to really become a master, you always have to keep focusing on improving your craft. That's the difference between, you know, truly excellent writers and great writers is the truly excellent writers are never okay with where they are. They always want to reach for the next goal, just like the truly successful pharmaceutical and medical device companies or the ones that have had the largest impact are looking for a better way to do things, even if there's something out there that's good enough. Would you agree? Yes. Yes, absolutely. There's always room for improvement. Always. I mean, we could go on and on. I would just say that if you run into something that you want to know more about, there are resources out there. Find them, learn about it. As you said, Jamie, there are uh, different writing societies. Uh, AMWA is one of them that can help, you know, connect you with webinars and other types of training. Uh, you know, there's, there's the great wide internet and there's, there's your colleagues. Um, and those are all fantastic resources that can really help you to grow as a writer and to, to be a better technical writer. There's also us. One of our core missions at Global is education and two of our core values, one's inclusivity and another one's collective intelligence. We love to share information. Not only do we have an internship program to help people break into the field and hone their skills, we truly love our craft and like to talk about it. So I would venture to say if you're stumped or you want some advice or want to run something by somebody, find one of us on LinkedIn and reach out or or some other network. I personally would love to have a chat. I'm sure Jen would love to to help anybody, you know, within reason, but help anybody out there hone their craft and answer questions and that type of thing. So Global's out here. We we definitely have a we have a blog. We have educational resources. There's a million other places out there that have information as well. So to summarize the lots of information that we discussed in this episode, first thing is do a visual overview of your document. So this means literally zooming out or scanning through looking for visual defects or details which are off. And these could be formatting these could be margins. These could be font style. This could be table sizes changing. There are tools within our software that we use every day to help us with, with just this. So make sure that you take the time to learn your software 
and the tools that are available to you. An example, examples include style tools in Word, anchor points for tables, table properties. I love table properties. Um, line spacing options are great because you can, you know, line space a whole document or a whole table consistently. It looks much better really quickly. Page breaks, section breaks. These things aren't ov- often used in academic settings you don't often have the opportunity to learn these things, but they're incredible, incredible tools. And there are tons of courses out there to help with this. You mentioned Khan Academy, professional societies have software trainings. I use YouTube a lot. There are some fantastic videos out on YouTube. There are some not so great ones, but there are a lot of great resources out on, on YouTube, especially for Word and Excel. Use Excel to organize your data use a reference manager to organize your references. When you get done writing a document, let it rest. Pull back, give yourself a break from it, let your brain transition to something else and then come back to it. Don't try to edit it immediately after because it's it's just not gonna work. And embrace feedback from your colleagues. Your colleagues are here to help you and their feedback will help you learn and grow as a writer. So leverage them and their expertise and pay it forward and help out your teammates as well. You know, that's a really, really fantastic way to learn and to gain new perspectives. And speaking of that, never stop learning. Always keep learning. Always look for resources and chances to improve your craft because it can always, always get better. And, you know, when you get to a point where you're writing excellent documents, first draft, I've not, I'm not there yet, but I imagine that would be very rewarding. So Jen, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything I missed there? Anything else you'd like to touch on? No, you, you got everything in there. I I'm so glad that we had a chance to talk about this. Thank you for having me. One last thing. We all like to unwind on Fridays or the weekend or a challenging submission. What do you do to relax, to celebrate after a hard week? So Friday nights in our house, it's movie night at home, uh, not going out. Uh, We actually were doing movies at home before the pandemic shut everything down anyway. And we will put together what we lovingly call leftovers nachos. So anything tastes better with cheese on it. And so if you take your random leftovers from the week, throw them on nachos, cover them in cheese and throw them under the broiler, they make a fantastic pairing to whatever movie that you have thrown on the TV. And we are partial to some of those really bad monster movies that are out there. (laughs) We love to laugh at how ridiculous they are. We love to laugh at how ridiculous the science is. Even my teenagers will laugh and say, that doesn't work. That can, (laughs) and we get a real kick out of it. It allows us to relax and come together as a family because normally we're running in 10 directions all week. And so it's a great, great way to unwind for the week. So that's what we do on a Friday night. That sounds wonderful. Jen, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. It was wonderful to talk to you about all this stuff. You're very welcome. Thanks again for having me here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Chasing Compliance. If you have any other questions about anything discussed in today's episode or any regulatory or clinical topic in general, please don't hesitate to reach out to us directly by emailing us at info at globalrwc.com That's info at globalrwc.com or submitting a request for information through our website at 
www.globalrwc.com. There you can find more information on our approach to solving a wide variety of regulatory and clinical challenges. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe, leave a review, or tell your colleagues. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app you're listening on. Until next time, we wish you continued compliance.